0: Thank you for downloading the podcast edition of the Community Baptist Church service for Sunday morning, July the 6th of 2008. Community Baptist Church is located in Henderson, Kentucky. This morning, we were privileged to have speaking for us the Reverend Mary Rye, who is the chaplain at Methodist Hospital here in Henderson. She also serves as the chairman of deacons here at Community Baptist Church. Her sermon topic this morning is, Wrong If You Do, Wrong If You Don't. The scripture reference comes from Matthew, the 11th chapter, verses 16 through 19, and verses 25 through 30. Minister of Music here at Community Baptist Church, Larry Haltom, brings our special music, Come to me, all who labor. We hope you enjoy this podcast edition of our church service. Let us pray. God of heaven and earth, this is the day that you have made, and what a glorious day it is. It is this time of the year that we remember and celebrate our freedoms. We are reminded by the news every day that others around the world do not have the freedoms that we do. The freedom to speak our minds, the freedom to put voice to our faith, the freedom to walk in here and worship you openly. Help us not to take for granted what others have made possible through their sacrifices. God, we ask for your blessings today on our pastor and his family. Grant them rest and enjoyment in each other's company. We ask for blessings on our other church staff, for Larry and his talents and commitment to our choir and our children. Bless him with the assurance that he is loved and appreciated here. Bless Julie for her leadership with our teenagers. Grant her continued wisdom and vision for her ministry. Bless Jika and Nibby for their dedication not only to our worship, but to all the big and small things they do that no one knows. Grant them nourishment for their souls and the knowledge that we could not be the congregation we are without them. Bless Dorothy and Dottie as they provide us with organization and support in our church office. We would certainly be a mess without them. Grant them the eyes to see and the ears to hear of the love and gratitude for who they are and what they do. Now bless each of us today, O God, for this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice. Amen.
1: Learn from me now For I'm gentle and low in heart Here you'll find rest You'll find rest for your weary soul For my yoke is easy And my burdens light Come to me Come on labor let me take
0: Our scripture today is taking, taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, starting with verse 16. But to what do I com- will I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For, G, for John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came both eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. We skip to verse 28. We are like children playing in the neighborhood we just cannot be satisfied or at least for not not for very long we played music for you expecting you to come out and dance we went to all that trouble for you but you would not come out and dance okay maybe it's another game we need to play let's play funeral So we cried and wailed. Now, you were supposed to come out and mourn, but you would not do that either. So what's the problem? We're going to all this trouble, and you are just not playing well with others. Speaking of not playing well with others, what about that John the Baptizer? He's a pretty odd little duck. He walks around in camel hair, not mohair or cashmere or even wool or cotton. Camel hair, ooh, it is. Not only is it not in the latest issue of Vogue magazine, I think he made it himself. And have you smelled it? Oh my gosh, it stinks to high heaven. Can he wear something a little more presentable for Pete's sake? And he doesn't even eat and drink like normal people. He eats locusts, bugs, he eats bugs. Can he come in town and at least eat at McDonald's or someplace normal? He stays out there in the country all by himself and eats bugs and wild honey. I Wonder if he's one of those bee chamas. Is that how he gets his wild honey? Anyway, he's just really weird. I think he has a demon. He's just playing crazy. Speaking of just playing crazy, did you get a load of that guy, Jesus? Now, he is a party He can eat and drink with the best of them. Actually, with the worst of them, too. He hangs out with some really shady people. He goes to dinner with tax collectors and prostitutes and sick people and poor people. Not anybody you'd want to be seen with. Although, have you ever been to, G- to dinner when Jesus has shown up? Actually, he can be fun. He just has a good time. Seems to like everyone. That ought to tell you something right there. He he talks to some really creepy people. He doesn't seem to care who you are or where you're from. He'll talk to you. Seems to want to know. Seems to want to know who you are. I will tell you, it was kind of nice to have someone listen like they really cared what you said for a change. But anyway, he can sure do some eating and drinking. I'll tell you that for sure. Some of my friends say he's a glutton and a drunk. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. In the first ten chapters of his gospel, Matthew has been very clear about who John and Jesus are. John is the baptizer. The last messenger sent by God to prepare the way for the promised one. Jesus is the long anticipated promised one, the Messiah. These two men have been spoken about for generations. They had been written about in the Hebrew scriptures, the Jewish people had been waiting on them and expecting them for hundreds and hundreds of years to the point where they had all these expectations of how they were supposed to enter the scene and what they were supposed to do and who they were supposed to be. And this wasn't that. This wasn't at all what they had anticipated, what they had expected from the last messenger and the Messiah. The thing about other people's expectations is that we are rarely able to live up to them not even john the baptizer or jesus the messiah could do it living up to someone else someone else's expectations puts you in a position of at some point or another being wrong if you do it you will be wrong if you do it certain ways and you will be wrong if you don't it is hard to know It is hard to please everybody and not disappoint somebody. When you think about it, expectations are rarely written or even spoken. They are rarely universal, and they are usually used as a rule of judgment when you violate them. Have you had anyone ever sit you down and say, okay, here is exactly what I expect from you? Yes, there are some basic expectations by virtue of the fact that we are human beings living on the planet Earth. You are expected to bathe at least somewhat regularly. You are expected to abide by the laws of this country, stop at stoplights, go the speed limit or somewhere close to it, not rob a bank or hijack an airplane. There are expectations that are related to one's positions, ministers, doctors, and other healthcare providers, funeral directors. You ever thought about that? Teachers, police officers, financial people, parents. There are certain behaviors that we have come to expect from people who take on those positions. Those kind of broad stroke expectations allow us to trust each other and live together in community. The tough ones are those expectations that you have of individuals and that they have of you. You rarely know what someone else expects of you until you've already violated those expectations. When I was living in Memphis in the early 90s, I served in a church with an all-female staff. The senior pastor was Nancy Hastings Sehested. It was big news back then, and calling Nancy as senior pastor made news literally all over the world. I had been going out with a guy in our congregation for about a month, and every dinner conversation would revolve mostly around Nancy. What was she like to work with? Did she like this or that? Had she been here or there? Did she, what did she read or do for fun? After a while, I finally told John, will you just call her and take her to lunch and ask her these things yourself? (gasps) Oh, he said, I couldn't do that. Well, why not? He said, I might find out that she's human and I don't want to know that. Expectations. Well, the fact is we are all human. We are all just going about trying to do the best we can, trying to live out our faith as genuinely as we know how, and we believe that God has called us to live it. We are all going to be a disappointment when we don't live up to expectations that others have set for us. That's where we find life's stresses and pressures get heavy. We begin to doubt ourselves when we believe that we have not measured up, John the Baptist did it. He doubted himself, and when he did, he questioned who Jesus was as well. They called him crazy. He has a demon, the scriptures say, and he began to wonder if they weren't right. He had gone to prison for his faith and because of his ministry, and while he was there in prison, he sent word to Jesus asking Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect another? Is it you? Please, Messiah, tell me it really is you. Folks were telling John that he was demon-possessed. When you don't live up to others' expectations and you get told over and over that you are stupid or wrong or inferior, it really can mess you up. A couple of weeks ago, Reverend Bruce Ware, professor of Christian theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, said from a pulpit the pulpit of Denton Baptist Church in Denton, uh, Denton Texas, that, and I quote, women desire to have their own way instead of submitting to their husbands because of sin. In the article by Bob Allen, the managing editor of ethicsdaily.com, Reverend Ware states that, and I'm quoting here again, husbands on their parts because they're sinners now respond to that threat to their authority, either by being abusive, which is, of course, one of the ways men can respond when their authority is challenged or more commonly become passive acquiescent and simply not asserting the leadership they ought to as men in their homes and churches. If you have been told over and over that you are not living up to my expectations, you start believing that you really are stupid and wrong and inferior. When even John the baptizer has to ask, is it really you Please, Jesus, tell me I'm not crazy. Then none of us is exempt from asking the questions. Am I really stupid? Have I really gone that far off the mark and misunderstood God's leading in my life? Does God even care? Is there really a plan for the world, much less me? Is it really you, Jesus? Or should I be looking elsewhere? Lest you think that all is lost and there is no hope, we need, just need to read further down the page to hear the voice of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, Jesus says, come to me. I will claim you as my friends. Just like any loving parent, when their child is in trouble, God says, let me help you. As the parodical son's father did, Jesus stands out on the front porch every day and waits for us to come, hoping we will come. Jesus doesn't hide or play games or make it difficult for us to find him. He stands out in the open, beckoning us to come, come home, come to me. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, those heavy burdens of fear and anxiety and worry and uncertainty and imperfection, they are so hard to carry that we try everything we can think of to unload them. Wesley Neal Higdon, the shooter at the Atlantic plastics plant surely knew what it was like not to live up to others' expectations. He had been reprimanded at work before, although by all reports, it wasn't for any really big issues. And yet, by the end of this horrible series of events, Neil Higdon had disappointed a lot of people. What would drive him so far over the line that he would shoot and kill six people, including himself? We look at this situation and try to figure out how this could have been handled differently, and we shake our heads in utter confusion. We can destroy ourselves living up to everyone else's expectations to the point of, at best, Taking something so that we can work harder, run faster, hit more home runs, or make better grades. And at worst, we carry around so much that we will kill each other in an attempt to lighten the load. And we can't see an end to any of it. If you are on top, then I must be at the bottom. If people compliment you, then I must be doing it wrong. If they like you, then they can't like me. It is easier to criticize than create, to point fingers than to point the way, to blame than to bless. We are weary. But hear the voice of Jesus again. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest, rest, refreshment, rethink, re For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There will still be hard work. There will still be burdens. There will still be uncertainty and, ex- and imperfection. But in the midst of it all, there will be rest. In June of 2003, Reverend Gene Robinson became Bishop Gene Robinson of the General Convention of the Episcopal Church. In that one action, the Episcopal Church elected its first openly gay bishop. And for Gene Robinson, the storm was just beginning. In his book, In the Eye of the Storm, Bishop Robinson writes, during that consent process, charges of sexual misconduct and linkage to a pornographic website were brought forward in an attempt to derail the church's consent to my election. While those charges were being investigated, I was sequestered in my hotel room with my partner of 16 years and my daughter. The priest who would become my canon to the ordinary brought me a piece of calligraphy that read, Sometimes God still calms the storm, and sometimes God lets the storm rage and calms his child. A day or two later, he says, I received a photograph from a fellow priest of the diocese, a weather satellite photo taken miles above a hurricane in the Atlantic. In the center of that terrible and fierce storm was a tiny pinpoint of blue calm. That is where I have tried to put myself ever since my life changed, Robinson says. But the fact of the matter is, I cannot live in the eye of the storm on my own. I cannot get myself there or keep myself there. Only God can bring me to that place of peace and sustain me there. Only God can calm and soothe me when hatred come my way. Only God can persuade me not to step into those powerful winds swirling about me. And when I do, only God can protect me from getting swept away by their destructive power. Bishop Robinson goes on to say that whatever mistakes I have made in these early years, I am to blame. Whatever good I might have achieved or or inspired, God is the reason I have not gotten all of this right nor will I but God has been very clear with me that whatever I get at whatever I get it all right or not I am his and in comparison to that everything else is small potatoes rest for the soul when I first went to to First Baptist Church, Greenville, South Carolina, as minister of single adults. The pastor there was Hardy Clemens. Some of you know him and have met him. He is a big man with a deep voice and a keen sense of himself. His expectations were high. He often said that the church's job is to hire the best, expect the best, and then get out of the way and let people give you their best. But the difference with Hardy was that with his expectations also came encouragement, appreciation, gratitude, kudos, both public and private. And, the, and best of all, the assurance that no matter what, he truly loved and cared about you. He would do something as small as leave me a voicemail after church on Sunday morning telling me how much he appreciated my pastoral prayer, or as big as standing to defend me in the midst of others' criticisms. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Three days after the Atlantis plastic shooting, We opened our newspapers to find a letter from Sarah Taylor, the wife of Kevin Taylor, the supervisor shot by Neil Higdon. It read, the past several days have been a tremendous drain on our community leaders, police, EMTs, hospital staff, and especially the families of of the victims and the staff of Atlantis Plastics. I wish to thank each person who has touched our lives with your care, concern, support, and prayers. The tragedy of this magnitude can do one of two things. It can either tear your community apart or it can bring you together with greater strength and love. I pray that we all can find it in our hearts to forgive Neil Higdon and pray for his family. Neil was a friend of Kevin and me. He was in our home many times. He was a troubled young man. He was a good man. Atlantis Plastics personnel have shown me and the other victims' families immeasurable kindness and love. Thank you. Rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. Rest for our souls comes not in the midst of the good times, but in the midst of the storms. When we just cannot take on one more thing, when we cannot take one more criticism or hear that we have not measured up to yet one more person's expectations, we find truly rest for our souls. And yet we can be instruments of God's rest for someone else. We can be ready and eager to be a source of encouragement, forgiveness, laughter, unconditional love, blue calm in the midst of the storm. We really can create rather than criticize, to point the way rather than point fingers, and bless rather than blame. We have the capacity to be instruments of God's peace, God's rest. And we are taught by the beautiful prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me show love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, great grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to love, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. They said, Look. He is a demon. He is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. May it be so. Amen. We are a people just trying to make it together, trying to provide rest for one another, for those who are carrying heavy burdens. We invite you if you are looking for just such a place to join us. We invite you if you are looking for a Savior in whom you can rest to come and and give Jesus those burdens. As you go from this place, let me leave you with the words that are written in your order of worship. Live simply, love generously, care deeply, speak kindly, and leave your rest to God. Amen. Amen.